King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders of the Most High God that He has performed for me. How great are His signs. How powerful His wonders. His kingdom will last forever. His rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace. So here we go. We'll pause real quick. Who's writing this particular book of Daniel chapter 4? Who's writing this? Nebi. That's right. Nebuchadnezzar. So it's cool to point out because in the previous chapters, we see that Nebuchadnezzar does some pretty messed up things, gets reprimanded by the Lord. He sees the power and the awe of God. So I think it's pretty cool that a chapter after uh, him throwing some some fine Hebrew young men into a fiery furnace and God rescuing them, just the very next chapter, um, that he is the author of this chapter. So, I, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 4, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belshazzar after my God and the spirit of the holy gods in him. I said to him, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. If we can pause right there just to kind of give a little background. At this point, Nebuchadnezzar has not found God, so to speak. He's acknowledged the goodness of God the greatness of God. But even in his speech here, when we read it, you notice he makes references of other gods and, you know, that, that uh, you know, Daniel's God and other gods and, you know, the spirit of the holy gods. You know, he still hasn't quite, quite grasped it yet. But I, I just want to make note of that. So now he goes on to tell the dream. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, Cut down the tree! and lop off its branches. Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For the young guys, that's not a good thing, okay? You're like, that sounds pretty cool. No, that's not a good thing, the mind of a wild animal. For this time has been decreed 
by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowest of people. Belshazzar, that was the the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, was overcome for a time, for a moment, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. So we're going to pause for a second and and just refresh our memory about Nebuchadnezzar. To this point, we don't see we don't see what the Lord sees in this man's destiny. We see him as an evil, um, short-tempered, dramatic, impulsive, polytheistic king. But God saw something different in him. God saw something different in him so much that we read this passage that God chooses who rules and reigns no matter how high or low they are. God chose for, for his people, for Judah to be defeated by this king. We see nothing but, but evil and some recognition, but we've got to be aware that God saw something else. That's important to note because when God looks at us, he sees the fullness of the plan that he has for us. He sees things in us that we could never believe or grasp for ourselves. He see things, sees things in us that if he laid out his whole plan before us, we'd say, you got the wrong guy. Lord, you got the, you got the wrong Anthony. You must mean Anthony Cunos, not Anthony Canyon. I don't, you know, are you sure? God always sees things in us. We just have to come into agreement with that. So Daniels says, I wish this would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High 
rules over the kingdoms of the world, and he gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. That means you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Now, we pause at times, you know, when we're reading the Word, and we just ask the Lord, Lord, you know, bring, bring insight to this. Lord, let me see beyond just the words on this page. It's amazing to see the honor and the respect that Daniel treats toward King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, at this point, Nebuchadnezzar is haughty and prideful and self-centered. But I think that Daniel, he got more than just a glimpse of what God had for Nebuchadnezzar as well. So in verse 29, we see the dream fulfilled. We're going to read the, the rest of the chapter here. But all of these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. I could do it with an English accent, but I don't have a good English accent. And they're Babylonian anyway. They're not English, you know, so we're just going to go ahead and do it in my Colorado accent. Look at this great city of Babylon by my own mighty power. By my own mighty power. I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice from heaven called down, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. So while the words are still in his mouth, okay, so... You know, to display my majestic splendor. O King Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, just cut him off. This message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. And you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Why, why do we why do we take lightly the word of God and think it's not true? Why do we sit here and, and hear the word of God and walk away and go, that was good, until we forget it and go, it was good for then. Nebuchadnezzar gets this incredible word from the Lord. The translation, the interpretation of this from somebody that he respects and is even exalted in a place of honor, yet he forgets it. He forgets it all. And he makes it all about him. Now before we just you know keep on reading, 
let's let's be honest with ourselves and think about the ways that we make things about us instead of looking to Jesus instead of looking to him and saying lord it, it's about you you know god wants our heart to be in a place that's humble so that we are quick to hear from him and quick to respond and quick to make it about him and if we won't allow our hearts to be humbled he has a, another way he'll humble us for God to use us for God to have us in a state where that we can be effective for him where that we can touch other people with his love we've got to have a humility and that word is not weakness that that word is not to be translated as weakness that word is honorable that word is that we are to have an integrity we are to have an honor as we rely upon him as our source We see here that Nebuchadnezzar makes it about himself, thinking he's the man. Talk about his majestic splendor. But we can just as easily make it about ourselves if we think too lowly of ourselves. If we think too lowly of ourselves. God didn't make you lowly. He made you awesome. He made you in his image. He put nature and characteristic of, of his glory in your life, in your personality. In your DNA, you have his DNA. Verse 34. After this time had passed, after seven years had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned. And I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by these things? What he's saying is, who can question God? Who can ask God to justify himself? Who can ask God to explain himself to us? Who can question God? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. And I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true and he is able to humble the proud. When we respect and honor God, we don't have to worry about how we're going to end up. What's amazing at the end of this chapter is when Nebuchadnezzar's sanity was restored to him because for seven years he was insane. For seven years he had he ate grass. I was talking with Michael about this earlier. I, I imagine he was much like Sasquatch. Like, you know, kids would be running in, 
oh my gosh, I saw Nebuchadnezzar. They're like, no, you didn't. That's just a legend. No, I saw him. He, was, he had a mouth full of grass and long hair and his nails. And I'm like, dude, that's like a, an urban legend. King Nebuchadnezzar isn't real. I mean, I don't know. He was kind of like, I think it's, that's what I would have been like. I don't know. But for seven years, he was crazy. He lost his kingdom. He lost he lost his sanity. He didn't just lose all his good stuff. He lost his sanity. He was nuts. He lived out in the open and ate grass and was dirty and nasty and long nails. And, and just like that. Isn't that amazing? Of just like that. Just like that, God took it from him. Mid-sentence, mid-speech. Mid and just like that, God restored it. And when he restored it, the advisors came looking for him. That's a cool story. That's a cool story we don't, we don't know. You know. We don't know the answer to. What took place in the kingdom that the advisors said, we're going to go out in the fields and find Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to do an extreme makeover. You know, but God had already done the extreme makeover. But they went looking for him. You know, momentarily, Daniel had fear there when he saw what God was doing. For a moment, he had fear. And it wasn't fear because he feared, if I give this bad news to the king, he's going to kill me. That wasn't the fear. The fear was, I've got some bad news for this man that I know that, that I admire and that I respect and that God has a purpose for. And God's called me to give this, this unbelievable bad news to that's what his fear was, to the point that Nebuchadnezzar said, "Hey, what, what's troubling you? Go ahead and go ahead and say it. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and speak it." We are never to be fearful of obeying God. We are never to be fearful of standing for the Lord. Young people, we got a lot of young people in here tonight. We are never to be fearful for taking a stand for the Lord. Hey, buddy, I, I love you. You know, you know that. You're my bro. And, but I can't stand with you on this one, man. I'm just going to let you know right now, if you go down this road, it's going to be heartache and hurt. Don't do it. That God's got more for you than that. I, I don't even know if you believe in God. I'm just letting you know God's got more for you. Don't do it. I can't stand with you on this one but I don't want to see you hurt either. I mean, tough to do, right? Riley? Tough to do. We should never be fearful of standing for God. We should never be fearful of standing for His honor and His integrity and just trusting Him with our life. You aren't in control. You aren't in control. He's in control. Yes, He gives us free will. Praise God. But you are in control and I'm not in control. God is in control. And we've got to trust Him. We've got to trust Him. We look at this instance and after seven years, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't just restored, but he was restored with greater honor and riches and respect than before.
when we jump into Daniel 5, and it won't be, it won't be next week, um, it'll be in a couple weeks, I want us, we have a couple weeks to, to read Daniel 5, to, to spend time studying and asking the Lord to make it come alive to us. When we, when we jump in, we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Bill, Belshazzar. There's no T, so it's not Belshazzar, Daniel's name, it's Belshazzar. So we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's grandson that is now king. And we're going to see what the Lord does when we won't humble ourselves before the Lord. We're going to see what the Lord does. We saw incredible patience and grace of the Lord in chapter 4. Unbelievable grace. Seven, I mean, God restored. God had such patience. He's like, you got seven years of insanity, but after that, we're good. Okay, that's grace. Especially after all that Nebuchadnezzar had done. But we also saw that he humbled himself to the Lord and saw restoration. In chapter 5, we're going to see a ruler that does not humble himself. We're going, to, we're going to see a ruler that mocks God, that makes a mockery of who he is. And something just to chew on is I kind of you know, give you the, the, the prelude for the next message. God is constantly speaking to us. He is constantly getting our attention. He's constantly giving us correction and life and encouragement. Friends, we are not to ignore the Lord. We're not to ignore His goodness and His faithfulness, and much less to make a mockery of it. God is constantly desiring to speak to us. And it's in different ways. I, I say it all the time. For me, and for many of you, I know that you need to hear from the Lord. You open your Bible, boom, you hear from the Lord. For others, and you're at a place right now where the best way that you can hear from the Lord is from the preacher. And that's okay. If you're at that place right now and this is the easiest way for you to hear from the Lord from someone else who's speaking it forth, then that's fine. For others, it's worship. You can just be in the midst of worship and you just hear God speak everything. But we need to hear from the Lord and we need to be, to be communicating with Him constantly. I look at married couples. Could you go a week? Josh, could you go a week with being in your wife's presence, being in Megan's presence? Could you go a week and not say a word to her? Could you go a week and tell her and not tell her how, how much you love her and how beautiful you think she is? So, church, we're not... There's not a one of us that should think it's okay to go a week and wait till next time we come together in church before we tell our Lord how awesome he is and, and ask him what he thinks and ask him what he has for us. Amen. Amen.